Back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throw it high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Thursday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Dolphins football. And on today's show, we're going to start off with audio from Coach Flores, take a deep dive into this game, the preview, looking at Sunday's opponent in the Seattle Seahawks. We'll detail their film, their personnel usage, their systems, the best matchups to highlight. We'll get to the injury report for both teams and hear from some of your Miami Dolphins. All of that and more on this Thursday, October the 1st edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And support for Drive Time comes from AutoNation. There are so many reasons to drive pink, but for AutoNation, there's only one to finish the fight against cancer. In fact, AutoNation has helped raise over $25 million to drive out cancer. To join the fight, visit the AutoNation store near you or drivepink.com. And speaking of the fact that it is October, I mean, is there a better time of year than this for sports fans? We got the NBA Finals, which, you know, that game didn't go the way we had hoped it did. The Lakers look a pretty good opponent for the Heat in the NBA Finals. Your Miami Marlins have a one-game lead in the NL Wild Card Series there. We've got football on tap. The Jets and Broncos playing tonight on Thursday Night Football. And the South Park Pandemic Special. There's so much good television, so much good Available entertainment for us right now during this month, my favorite time of the year, and it happens to be my birthday month as well, and my favorite holiday in Halloween. So October, here's to you, October the 1st. And with that, we have our first October opponent coming up in the Seattle Seahawks, and we have the injury report from Wednesday for the Seattle Seahawks and Thursdays for the Miami Dolphins. The Seahawks post theirs later in the evening because they are a West Coast team for the Seahawks. This list is too extensive to cover each and every one of them. There are 25 players listed on this list. I'm going to tell you who did not practice on Wednesday. Safety Jamal Adams was a DNP with a groin. They had Jordan Brooks, the rookie linebacker, did not practice with a knee. Dwayne Brown also didn't practice because of a knee injury. Cornerback Quinton Dunbar, same story there. Knee injury, did not practice. Defensive tackle Puna Ford had a groin injury. He did not practice. And the story was the same for defensive end Benson Mawaya. So plenty of players on that Seahawks list. As for the Dolphins' Thursday injury report... We have three upgrades from the Wednesday statuses. Safety Clayton Fedgelin was now a full participant with a pectoral injury. He looking to get back for his first game of his Miami Dolphins career. Kayvon Frazier was again limited as he was on Wednesday. Cornerback Xavier Howard went from limited to full on Thursday's practice. And Byron Jones went from DNP on Wednesday to limited on Thursday, where safety Brandon Jones was once again a full participant in practice. And quarterback Tua Tungavailoa did not practice. Let's go ahead and get to Coach Flores' Thursday morning media availability he spoke with reporters for about 15 minutes as he does each morning here on Wednesday through Friday practices here is coach Flores talking first about the work of Christian Wilkins and what he has done to put himself in position to make plays and earn himself a lot of respect among this coaching staff works really hard um, really on a daily basis um, in all areas in the weight room conditioning obviously football um, so he's he's definitely improved really from the day he got here um, through his rookie year, and he's continuing to improve. So um, I'm really happy where, 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 with, with that improvement. Um, I think he just needs to continue to uh, do the things that he's been doing. Um, he's getting more comfortable, obviously, 
you know, this being his second year in the league, um, having played a, having a full season under his belt. Uh, so he's, 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 a, he's, a lot, he's much more comfortable, um, you know, with the system and how we want to do things. And I think he understands or can, what type of players he's going to see on a weekly basis. So, um, Hopefully he continues to get better, improve. I know he works in a way that um, uh, he should, th that gives him an opportunity to improve. And um, yeah, we're, we're, we're happy with him. I think that comment there about Christian's work ethic and work habits, and if he continues to do what he's been doing, then he'll be just fine, as Coach Flores says. And he has been just fine, been one of the most productive players on that defensive line through three games, had a really strong rookie season as well, leading all rookie defensive tackles in tackles. And he also had the most pressures for an interior defensive lineman per pro football focus since the 2016 season. So Christian Wilkins producing at the level you expect for a first-round draft pick. And I think we will look back on Christian Wilkins one day as you know the first pick obviously of the Brian Flores regime, but he was a guy that, you know, I covered him with locked on dolphins that first year and going into his deep dive of his background, learning about the kind of person he was, the work ethic, the character that he displayed. You just love hearing that type of story work out in this league and, and good things happen to good people because Christian definitely puts the work in and, and puts himself in position, like coach said, to, to get in the right shape, to be prepared in the classroom, to take it out onto the football field. And I think we've seen that bear fruit so far for Christian Wilkins through the first 19 games of his professional football career. And then of course, obviously now that I'm here with the Dolphins talking to Christian on interviews and in player media availabilities, just the bubbly personality. You can't go wrong with Christian Wilkins. This guy, he, he just really, he fits the mold of a Miami Dolphin, a professional football player, a guy who it's important to him. And I just love watching this guy play. So Coach Flores talking there about Christian Wilkins. As for a player who was drafted here before Brian Flores under Chris Greer, but has earned his way onto the football field for over a thousand snaps last year and on track to do that here again in 2020 so far through three games. If you can't tell, I'm writing a story on Jerome Baker that will be out later today as well. But here's Coach Flores talking about Jerome Baker and what makes him so valuable and why he never leaves the football field or rarely leaves the field for just five snaps this year out of 182 on that Dolphins defense. Uh, you know, Jerome's very athletic, tough, physical. Uh, he's a smart player, so there's really, uh, he can help us in a lot of different ways from a pass rush standpoint, from a coverage standpoint. Uh, just, you know, he's got, you know, let's call it all uh, every down um, ability. So, um, you know, we feel good when he's out on the field. He communicates well, um, tackles well. He gives us a guy who's um, athletic and, you know, can can and, and can make some plays. So, and that those are guys we want on the field. So if you can, you can help us in a variety of ways and he, he can do that. Like I just said, from a, a let's call it blitz standpoint, a coverage standpoint, uh, uh, run game standpoint. And, you know, obviously he's got a lot of uh, ability and uh, he helps our team. So we'll leave him out there. Yep, the more you can do, that's been one of the themes under this coaching staff, under this regime, as guys that can play multiple roles and do multiple things on defense. Also helps you disguise things, too, because if you don't know which linebacker is coming on the blitz, who's going to drop in coverage, who is liable to be kind of the free runner, the force defender in the running game, just helps you stay more versatile, more complex for the offense to prepare for you. And we'll go ahead and make it short and sweet there on the Brian Flores Thursday morning, October the 1st media availability. Let's go ahead and get now into the game preview. The Dolphins will host the Seattle Seahawks, Miami 1-2, and Seattle 3-0, and as you know by now. Sunday at 1 o'clock Eastern at Hard Rock Stadium. Temperatures call for 85 degrees. 
50% chance of rain, 15 mile an hour winds, and 85% humidity. Who knows what it's going to look like? It changes every single day out here. It was supposed to be chilly today, or at least compared to South Florida standards. I just went to the bathroom outside to the across the way to the restroom, and it was scorching hot out there. So you never know. But the interesting part of this matchup is that you know, as someone that has made the Seattle to Miami flight several times in my life now, it's a five-hour flight from the west coming east, a six-hour flight from the east going west because of headwinds and tailwinds. I wasn't aware of that, but I learned that recently. But maybe that's why the Dolphins and Seahawks always have these matchups come down right to the very end. In fact, the last five matchups going all the way back two decades, back to 2000, for these cross-conference and cross-country foes, they used to be in the same conference, but not anymore since 2002 realignment. But in those five contests, the home team has claimed victory in each of them. And in all five of those games, the final drive decided who was victorious on that particular day, whether it was the offense scoring points late or the defense bowing up in triumph. The last two contests went to the offense getting the final touchdown or field goal. In 2016, I was there in person for that game up at CenturyLink Field for the season opener. Thought the Dolphins had that game, the Ryan Tannehill touchdown run, and then Russell Wilson did what he almost always does, it seems like, in the fourth quarter and drove back down for the game winner to Doug Baldwin in that game. The one prior to that, we'll talk about that game, the 2012 sprinkler game in Miami, both Russell Wilson and Ryan Tannehill's rookie year. We're going to talk about that game on tomorrow's flashback podcast with Anthony Fasano, so do not miss that. But in that game, Dan Carpenter put one through the uprights at the end of regulation to give the Dolphins a win in that game. But back to the present, the Dolphins are coming off a mini bye week here, played on last Thursday, going to have that 10-day rest period, and that gives you a three-day rest window between that time and when Seattle was preparing to get ready for that Dallas game. And of course, in that Dallas game, this Seahawks defense has allowed a league-high 1,492 yards this season. They were on the field for 80 snaps in that game on Sunday. I think that's pretty significant when you consider the long travel, being on a plane for that long, getting yourself rested back in, and your body back into playing shape. It's a long recovery process. 80 snaps is a lot. Typically, it's 60 to 65 for most teams in a given game. And while the trends of that whole West Coast team coming east typically favor the home team going up against those Pacific time zone teams. The Seahawks are impervious to that entirely. Since 2015, Seattle is 9-1 in games that kick off at 1 o'clock Eastern, and five of those victories came in trips last year to Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Atlanta, Philadelphia, and Carolina, so they are well-versed, this team, with not much turnover from previous year, from the previous season to playing on the East Coast in that early time slot, and in three of those games, the Seahawks had to overcome halftime deficits, so starting fast is important, and that was one of the stats you look at on these West Coast to East Coast trips is that the West Coast team typically starts slow, but generally speaking, the better team finds a way to win in the end, most of the time in those games and in the NFL in general. But it's going to be important, I think, for the Dolphins in this game to start fast and kind of help keep Russell Wilson on the sideline and also kind of keep the the foot on the gas pedal because Wilson has 29 career game-winning drives and 22 fourth-quarter comebacks over his eight-year career now into the ninth year with three games under his belt in that ninth season. But of course, the Hard Rock Stadium Challenge is more than just long travel from the visitors. They have to wear the blue jerseys. Dolphins are going to be in the home whites, Seattle in their home blues on that sideline, the visitor sideline that has direct sunlight. So interesting contest there. That's your setup to the game. As far as the Seahawks personnel, look, it goes back to the quarterback, right? Russell Wilson, you've heard Brian Flores talk about him, one of the best players in the game, if not the premier player in the National Football League. And his numbers back that up. The tape backs that up. Pretty much 
every way you splice it, you can look at Russell Wilson as one of the best quarterbacks, not just right now, but really of all time. Aaron Rodgers has the all-time best passer rating at 102.7. Russell Wilson's 0.4 points behind that at 102.3. He protects the football. 1.8% career interception rate. That's really good for a career. He piles up yards on the ground. 31.2 rushing yards per game over a nine-year career. So do the math there over the course of, what is it, 16 games every Every season in nine years, hasn't missed a game at 5.6 yards per clip there on the rush. And he has a penchant for explosive plays as well. He is number two behind Jared Goff in passer rating on throws 20 plus yards down the field at 149.3. Remember, the perfect passer rating is 158.3. Goff has five throws and has hit all of them. Russell Wilson's eight for 12 throwing the football 20 or more yards down the field. Just absurd. It's absolutely absurd. But for the majority of his career, he has operated in a balanced offense that has a really big emphasis on the run game. I'm sure you're familiar by now with the term let Russ cook, and they have been letting him cook this year. Last year, the Seattle Seahawks running backs carried the ball 396 times. That's an average of 24.8 per game. This year, they've run the ball 61 times. That's down to 20.3 rushes per game, so four and a half less rushes per game this year for the Seahawks. And Chris Carson has been the guy that has accounted for most of those rushes. He has 61% of the running backs carries this season, but his status for the game on Sunday is unknown. He suffered a mild knee sprain in Sunday's win over Dallas. We'll see if he's out there. If he's not, that leaves Carlos Hyde, who has 16 carries for 57 yards this year, and Travis Homer, who has eight carries for 39 yards formerly of the University of Miami, as the Seahawks' top backs. Now, the offensive line in front of Wilson has really improved, and that's been an area of emphasis for them. They've gone after big, mauling dudes, brought in Mike Upati from the Arizona Cardinals previously. They brought in Dwayne Brown a few years back in that trade with the Houston Texans, so they found a way to get that line beefed up. They signed Brandon Shell this year at right tackle. He's another really big body out there on the outside to replace George Fant, who went to the Jets, and Fant, too, was a massive, massive human being, so kind of a typecast there. Along the offensive line, they have the seventh highest graded run blocking unit per pro football focus. Last season, they were 20th in that department in run blocking grade. The bookend tackles, we talked about them, Dwayne Brown and Brandon Shell. Those guys, along with Ethan Postich, have not missed a snap. Postich, the center out of LSU there. Shell has the most pressures allowed with eight. And rookie Damian Lewis, another LSU product, has the second most with seven. Both Lewis, though, the guard and fellow guard Mike Upati, suffered knee sprains last week and did not return to that game. So we'll check on the status of those guards as the week goes along. Defensively, they could also be without star safety Jamal Adams, who had a groin injury last week and did not return. He has been an absolute, you know, you look at this trade, feast or famine. He has been feast all day long for the Seattle Seahawks, getting pressure on the quarterback, stopping runs. He has the second most run stops on the team behind Bobby Wagner. And his replacement, Delano Hill, last week, he has allowed an average of better than 12 yards per pass target over his last two years with 14 games and four starts there. So interesting looking there at the Dolphins and Seahawks matchup injuries and what the Seahawks offer on a personnel standpoint. We just don't know exactly what it is right now because so many players are on that injury report with their status maybe up in the air. We'll find out more as the week goes along. As far as my top three matchups, as we do every week here on the Drive Time Podcast as well, up on MiamiDolphins.com in the Seahawks Dolphins Week 4 preview. And real quick before we get into that, this podcast is brought to you by AutoNation, where Dolphins fans drive pink and helped raise over $25 million for cancer treatment and research. But back to the matchup highlights here. I'm looking first at the Dolphins pass catchers against the Seahawks back seven. We talked about the defensive yards allowed of the Seahawks through three games. They really have two primary fixtures and then 
a mix of platoon players in that secondary as far as snap counts are concerned. Right now, Shaquille Griffin, their their best cornerback, has been on the field for 97% of the defensive snaps, and he typically stays to one side of the field. The Seahawks defense under Pete Carroll has been so consistent and so good for so long, and they operate pretty much in the same system. You might recall the famous Legion of Boom running that cover three. You've got Richard Sherman on one side, Brandon Browner, or Byron Maxwell, whoever it was on the other side of the field, with Earl Thomas kind of playing that deep center field, and then Brandon Browner, or not Brandon Browner, uh, Cam Chancellor down in the box, making things happen that way. That was kind of the Jamal Adams piece right there with that with the uh, Cam Chancellor role on that defense, kind of playing in the box, playing all over the field, being instinctive and being the enforcer of that defense. Pretty much the same thing here, but now we'll see if Jamal Adams can play in this game. He was one of the other two primary fixtures with more than 90% of the Seahawks defensive snaps. But in this last week, Shaquille Griffin playing on that left side of the Seahawks defense saw Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. He forced one incompletion against each, but both guys caught two and three balls respectively for a total of 96 yards. That per pro football focus. On the other side, you've got Trey Flowers, a long, tall, physical corner who was targeted 10 times in the passing game game so far this year for 129 yards. So I think it'll be interesting to see how the how the Dolphins want to line up against that Seahawks defensive backfield that typically stays to their one side of coverage. And all three of the Seahawks games this year have been absolute shootouts. And if that's the path this game takes, it's going to be important, as Fitzpatrick talked about on Wednesday, to just be relentless and attack and finish drives in the end zone. You cannot settle for field goals against teams like Kansas City like the Baltimore Ravens, and especially not against the Seattle Seahawks offense with Russell Wilson on the other side. And that kind of aggressive mentality could make for an interesting fight between how the Seahawks want to defend Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Mike Gesicki, Isaiah Ford, Jakeem Grant, this Dolphins deep slew of pass catchers on that side of the ball. And in Sunday's win over Dallas, Cedric Wilson had a really big day, including a 40-yard touchdown that was matched up against K.J. Wright, their linebacker, and Dallas went after Wright in that game. He was targeted 10 times for 79 yards, and the touchdown, of course, the one to Cedric Wilson. Three of those 10 targets came up against wide against wide receivers of the Cowboys, all completions for 54 yards. So if they want to put K.J. Wright on a receiver, that might be a matchup you'd look for for the, for the Miami Dolphins offense going up against that Seahawks defense and that predominant cover three look on the back end. The second matchup, flip it over to the other side. Dolphins secondary up against DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Those guys don't leave the field. They both can flat out scoot. Metcalf ran a 4-3-3-40. Lockett ran a 4-4-40 back in their days of college or or post-college days, I should say. And it's evident by their deep prowess. Metcalf is the NFL leader in yards per catch at 24.8 with a minimum 10 targets. He also has the most yards on deep throws, over 20 or more yards. He has 220 yards on such throws through just three games. Last season, for instance, Tyler Lockett finished 11th in that category with 379 receiving yards on deep throws. You take a quick glance at the NFL next-gen stats route charting. Metcalfs are mostly going to run vertical routes, over routes, kind of the same routes Buffalo tried to hit Miami with on Stephon Diggs and and, and John Brown and those guys. You get off the release, you cross the formation and kind of use that speed and size and length to get position on the cornerback. He runs mostly crossing and deep routes, whereas Tyler Lockett kind of runs a little bit of everything. He definitely gets vertical. He runs the kind of quick 
quick pivot routes with change of direction, moving in and out. Metcalf averages 2.4 yards of separation per route run, with Lockett creating an average of 3.7 yards per route run. Lockett's is the 15th best in the NFL and 1.3 yards better than Metcalf on the season. And the contrasting styles give the Dolphins options for how they want to choose to defend the Seahawks' two-skill player attack, these guys that barely ever leave the field. Xavier Howard's numbers so far through this season are reflective of his 2018 campaign, the last time he played a significant portion of the season. He's limited quarterbacks to 54.5% completion with a passer rating of 72.9. Back in 2018, it was 50.9 passer er, percentage and 62.6 passer rating. So he's right on track to get back into that territory. And in consecutive weeks that year, after he had two picks in back-to-back games, he also held Green Bay's Devontae Adams and T.Y. Hilton to a combined two catches for 44 yards and a pick. So he can really defend the shifty fast guy in T.Y. Hilton or Devontae Adams, the bigger, craftier route runner like they have up here in Seattle. So where he goes, where rookie Noah Ignogany goes, who also saw plenty of different styles in college between Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, Jerry Judy, I mean, Terrence Marshall, Justin Jefferson, the list goes on and on and on there for Ignogany at Auburn and now into the NFL. He did have a 90th percentile explosive rating on his relative athletic scorecard at the scouting combine, so he can certainly change direction, run deep, and stay in the hip pocket of those speedy receivers. How the Dolphins want to match that up, I find that to be very, very intriguing in the this game and finally we got to find a way to run the football man because this defense of the Seahawks they have been facing way more passes than running than the running game so far and that's because they race out to leads of 14 to 3 over the Falcons 28 to 17 over the Patriots and 30 to 15 over the Dallas Cowboys they have allowed 1303 passing yards through three weeks that's the most in the history of the National Football League through three games, but some context can be applied there. Opposing offenses have thrown the ball 155 times compared to 67 rushing attempts, again, because they're playing from behind. Now, ideally, Miami can even that number with a balance by limiting Seattle's early scoring, keep them out of the end zone, and running the ball effectively, but it won't be easy because PFF has Seattle as the top-graded run defense, and that's not accounting for just yards gained. It accounts for their grade system, which I don't know how it works, but that's what they have, and that's spearheaded by future Hall of Fame or potential future Hall of Famer, Bobby Wagner. He's got 26 tackles this year, 11 run stops. He's only missed one tackle attempt. That's just kind of his game. Fast, physical, instinctive. One of the best players, one of the most fun players to watch in the National Football League for my money. And the defense in total of Seattle has 17 tackles for loss on those 67 rushing attempts. So they're breaking in and getting stops in the running game quickly and often. And you have to just commit to this run and force the Seahawks to honor it for four quarters to stay true to it so they can't rush the passer with their ears pinned back and also force them into the deep deeper portions of that defensive line rotation. Their top five snap takers on the defensive line so far have 735 snaps played, but only 219 against the run. Keep them honest. Keep it balanced. Keep them guessing. That's got to be a big key. The Dolphins have 85 rushing attempts this year. That's 15th most in the NFL. Miles Gaskin leads the team with 152 rushing yards, and his average yards after contact of 3.08 also leads the Miami Dolphins running backs. Jakeem Grant has eight yards after contact, but he has one rush on the season. So not quite qualifying there. As far as the Seahawks system and scheme, look, they've been who they, they they are who they are. And that's how they've been for a long time under Pete Carroll, under Brian Schottenheimer on the offensive side of the football. They just make no bones about who they want to be. They have 188 snaps this season. 180 of those come out of either 11 or 12 personnel. 11 personnel is one back, one tight end, three receivers. 12 personnel is one back, 
one tight end or two tight ends rather and two receivers Metcalf and Lockett are on the field for 98 and 96 percent of the offensive snaps respectively the third receiver David Moore is out there for 48 percent so Metcalf and Lockett don't leave David Moore is a 50-50 player and typically this means you have to match the heavier personnel because you want to get more linebackers and more linemen to deal with big tight ends like Will Disley like Greg Olson and how Brian Flores and defensive coordinator Josh Boyer want to call this game to match Seattle's personnel that to me is an intriguing battle within this game and the aforementioned matchup between the Dolphins pass catchers versus Seattle's back seven on defense can really be further explained through Seattle's defensive deployment Seattle ranks 16th in the NFL this year utilizing dime packages on defense that's six defensive backs an 11 percent clip for Seattle for comparison's sake, the Dolphins run that run that package at more than double that rate at 23.8%. So if the Dolphins go four wide, or if you get yourself in a situation where you are in 11 personnel, for instance, with Mike Gesicki as the tight end, you might find a linebacker on a receiver or on Mike Gesicki. Again, that's where Gesicki has kind of made a bunch of money this year so far taking the top off the defense against safeties and linebackers. The Seahawks blitz on 36.4% of their defensive snaps. That's from Pro Football Reference. They rank 22nd in sacks, 21st in hurry rate, 16th in pressure percentage, but 7th in quarterback knockdown rate. And just to finish up this preview and go ahead and check it out on MiamiDolphins.com as well, the Dolphins lead the all-time series with Seattle with a record of 9-4. and four. Each of the last five games came down to the last score between the Dolphins and Seahawks. few notes from some players here. Linebacker Jerome Baker can become the first Dolphins linebacker since Channing Crowder in 2005 through 2007 to notch 250 tackles in their first three seasons. He needs 20 more tackles to reach that landmark, so he needs a big game to do that. But with only 20 tackles to go and and 13 more games to play, he should be able to get to that level here pretty quickly. Sunday, if Eric Flowers makes the start, as we expect him to, it'll be his 75th career start, a big milestone for him. And Bobby McCain will make it 75 career games played if he is out there for the ball being snapped on Sunday, which we expect him to be as well. And then with 53 receiving yards, Mike Gesicki, we talked about him a lot, he can eclipse 1,000 receiving yards in his career with 53 yards in this game. As always, we're going to recap this game on Sunday night, both on MiamiDolphins.com and on the Drive Time Podcast with yours truly, Travis Wingfield. Check out all of our content, flashback podcast tomorrow, countdown to kickoff on Saturday, inactives on Sunday morning, and then of course tweeting through the game and the recap podcast with the audio and the sound from John Jimmy, the three takeaways from the game, as well as the recap up on the website. So plenty of content coming your way. Let's go ahead and finish out this podcast by hearing from a couple of Dolphins players who spoke to the media on Thursday afternoon. And we go real briefly here to Dolphins linebacker Elandon Roberts, who was asked about a fellow linebacker in Kamu Grugier-Hill. Yeah, me and Kamu was drafted in the same class in New England, so we always had a, a relationship on and off the field. Kamu's a great guy, man. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure that's what you get in front of everybody. You know, he comes to work every day, works hard, you know, off the field. He's an exciting guy to be around and stuff like that. So that's my guy. Hey, Elandon, wanted to ask you about this Sunday's matchup with the Seahawks. We'll see who's out there, but I know they got a couple of guys like Mikey Potty that can really roll up on that second level and kind of bring that physical mentality. Is that something that you really embrace as a player that really takes pride in your own physicality going up against a team that wants to kind of smash you in the mouth too? You know, that's what the game is all about. You know, it has its physical aspects to it, you know, and whatnot. And, hey, it's, it's football, so just come to play. And we stay in the position group here with Dolphins linebacker Jerome Baker, who I first had a chance to ask about any off-season activity he had with regards to his charities, giving back, working in the community, and how much of a challenge it was to get that stuff done despite the COVID pandemic. Uh, yeah, so a lot of my events, um, 
if they didn't get canceled, they either they either got um, you know changed quite a bit. Um, I had the backpack giveaway at my high school. Uh, it was originally supposed to be a camp um, and everything, but you know with the pandemic, we just decided just to give backpacks away, and um, that's pretty much all we did. So uh, it was hard. It was definitely still hard, but um, you just got to find different ways to. I'm trying to be safe and just get through it. Next, Jerome was asked about the rookie offensive lineman, but he took that as an opportunity to talk about the entire Dolphins rookie class and how they brought in the right type of players this offseason. Yeah, so uh, just right off the bat, you know, they go hard um, and they're willing just to get better. Um, they don't matter who, who they're going up against. They're not afraid to ask questions. Um, pretty much most of our rookies, they, they all just come in and um, pick everybody's brain and um, just do things the right way. And, uh, you know, guys like that just come in and um, have that hunger to them. Um, you, you can just tell they're going to have success. And uh, you can just tell, you know, our own line has definitely got better and uh, you know, just continues to get better. I talked the other day about Mike Gasicki and Durham Smythe getting extra work on Tuesday, the player day off. And the previous week I had mentioned it was Miles Gaskin, who I saw running on the ladder drills and getting some extra work in on the practice field. Well, now I have a good What's the word I'm looking for here? An alibi? Someone that can back up my story up? Here's Jerome Baker on Miles Gaskin and the work the Dolphins running back puts in every single day, doing more than the coaches ask of him. Uh, if you've been around here, you're not surprised at all about Miles. Um, I mean, he goes hard. Um, he's smart. And, I, you know, he, he truly works hard, you know, not just during practice, but you know, outside of practice. Even, you know, this week, you know, we had a few days off. I come in and just do some stuff in here. He's on the field um, doing ladder drills, running. Uh, I mean, he, he's a guy that he do way more than what they ask him. And, uh, you know, for me, I'm happy to see guys like that just to work hard and, you know, get what they deserve. And for him, it's more carries. But nobody's – if you've been here, nobody's surprised. Uh, you know, one-on-ones – uh, he, he does great in one-on-ones, pass, uh, pass protection. Uh, he does it all. So my surprise, uh, for me, I'm, I'm definitely happy for him. Hey, Jerome, I've been uh, looking back at some of your snap counts over the last couple of years, and you pretty much play every snap, and you do come off the field sometimes. I'm curious if when they call you off the field for the couple of snaps a year that you do miss, are you kind of like, no, nah, I don't want to do that? Or like, is it, is it hard to get you off the field? Uh, some of the times it's, it's a little hard. Uh, just simply because um, you can be going, you only can get you know play off two plays off. Uh, it drains your energy more to run off the field than run back on. You really don't get no water. You just pretty much just running off the field for nothing. Uh, but you know, overall, it, it's good. Um, but you know, I just try to stay healthy, try to you know stay ready, try to stay in the best shape I can. And that's just a credit to it. And we heard Josh Boyer earlier this week talk about the great physical condition Jerome stays in. You heard him talk during the Miles Gaskin little soliloquy there that he comes in on his days off, gets a little extra work in there as well. So credit to Jerome Baker and the types of players this Dolphins personnel staff and coaching staff brings into the building to kind of set that mood, set that mentality of how to work in the National Football League. Up next, Jerome was asked about the improvement in Week 3 against the Jacksonville Jaguars compared to the first two weeks defensively and what maybe went in to that production on the defensive side of the football. Uh, we're starting to gel together. Uh, we're starting to um, really understand, you know, every guy's strengths and weaknesses. So uh, that, that just comes with time, and uh, we definitely moving in the right direction when it comes to that. Uh, I know the you know the DBs they're happy because in all it helps all of us. So 
you know, it's starting to come together, but we just got to you know, constantly just improve and um, get better with doing that. So we keep hearing these opinions from the veterans on the younger players. Let's go ahead and hear next from Dolphins receiver Preston Williams on what makes Noah Egbenogany a good cornerback at this level in the National Football League. Uh, you know, he got all the tangibles, you know, to be you know, a great corner in this league one day. You know, he's young right now. He's still learning. Uh, but, you know, he's a, he's a real patient, you know, for him to be a rookie corner, really patient. Uh, he's going to get hands on. He's very physical. And I like I like Noah out there. Uh, I think he's going to be a great ball player in the years to come. So. And no real context for this next bit here, but I just wanted to go ahead and play it. Preston talking about how this is a league full of contested catches. You know, the league is full of contested catches. You know, a lot of DBs are pretty, pretty good. It's all about creating space and making contested catches. So that's one thing we just always got to do. It's always going to probably be a contested catch of a DB in the area. So. Let's go ahead and finish up media availabilities with the player who covers Preston Williams in practice and cornerback Byron Jones, who first was asked about how you feeling, man? I feel really good. Um, rehab has, has been going up to – it's been on schedule, which is great. Um, honestly, just day by day. I felt really good today, so we'll see where we're at. And how about a thorough breakdown here of the Seahawks passing game with Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and all the weapons they have on that offensive side of the football? Yeah, they have a really good uh, receiving core. And it's really the combination of the receiving core and also the quarterback and how he can get the ball to those receivers. So as we've seen in the past three games, um, they're, they're taking deep shots and um, they're getting big, explosive plays. So as a secondary and really as a defense, our job is to eliminate and really minimize those deep shots and those big plays. So um, they have fast guys, they have strong guys, they have savvy vets. Um, and it's really impressive to watch uh, Russell and, and how he can pinpoint those deep balls. So that's something that we have to take care of going into the game. And next we hear from Byron on going through the paces of the rehab process and what that's like from his perspective, a player who just hasn't missed much time in his NFL career. Well, you just got to keep running through the paces. So, you know, today was a really good challenge today with what we did. Um, and then tomorrow's going to even be a bigger challenge. So as we go along, you continue to push yourself. You gain that confidence and you start at 50 percent. You go to 65 percent. You go to 75 percent. Um, it's just about the workload and the speed and um, how the recovery is and um, how I feel the next day, but I say we're on a good track. Hey, Byron, you mentioned that playing long enough in this league, you're going to get hurt, but you've not really missed a lot of games in your pro career. And something I've heard before is that sometimes it helps a player to kind of get mental reps in from the sideline. Have you had any of that experience the last couple of weeks? Oh, of course. You know, I, I, uh, I mean, I've played in every single game since I've been in the league. I missed my last uh, game last year, which was the first game I ever missed. Um, but this year, this is the first time I've had to prepare throughout an entire week knowing um, that I wasn't going to play on, on last Thursday. So um, that, that was different. It, it was actually, um, it was just, a, it was, it was just different. It's something that I didn't go through. I actually called one of my past friends who, who, who's gone through it in, in the past and he's given, he's given me some really good advice. And um, it's just, like you said, it's really going through the mental reps. It's putting yourself through the paces. It's seeing how a play will develop on the left side of the field, on the right side of the field. You get a chance uh, not just to focus on your matchup, but you get a chance to really focus on, okay, what would it look like if I'm at the nickel position or if I'm at the left corner position or if I'm, or if I'm at the right corner position. Um, so it really does give you that exercise, that mental exercise that really keeps you sharp. And, uh, you know, just, I've probably taken more notes now than I typically do, but just trying to keep my mind and my, my body fresh. We'll go ahead and finish up the media availability here with two final questions for Byron Jones. They both were on the same topic about playing with Xavier Howard and playing in this Dolphins defensive secondary and what they expect going forward. 
Yeah, we're still growing. Um, there's no question about that. We have Noah, who's a really talented young rookie, but he just hadn't seen a lot. But I can tell you this, um, you know, he's probably one of the most impressive young guys I've seen in a very long time. And the way he approaches the game, you know, it's, this kid is here early. He's there early with the coach looking at film. He's there late. Um, the way he practices and the way he, he really approaches practice is really impressive for a young guy to understand that. And uh, for me, just to see X, when he came back towards the end of camp, I think his first couple of days he got like two or three picks I'm like <laughs> you can see his playmaking ability right away um so it's it's going to be special but it's going to take work um you really have to bond together as a unit it's not just about having um just really good players on the roster you really have to develop a bond and, and really develop that level of communication uh, that can really lead us to a different level um there's a lot more than just the, the physical talent a lot of mental talent. There's trusting each other, knowing that this person is going to be where he's supposed to be, um, knowing you have inside help, outside help, wherever the, whatever it may be. So we're still developing that, but um, that's a fun challenge going through the year. Yeah, and there, that's the, that's the that's the exciting part because there's there's really no timetable on that. There's no script to it. Um, as I watch more film uh, with him and of him, I, I understand more about him. And the same thing, same thing for for him watching me. Um, and there's really no timetable to it. It's just playing, it's getting as many reps as you can, you know, talking, you know, in the locker room about it, talking, you know, off the field about it, talking while you're on the field about it or whatever play you saw, how you feel about it, how you're going to play this, how you're going to play that. Um, it's just, it, it takes time, but there's no timetable. So, um, that's just something you work on every single day, you know, every single day, let's keep working on this. Let's keep getting right. And let's keep preparing so that we can be great. And that was obviously about rookie cornerback Noah Igbenogany at first, and then at the end there about Xavier Howard talking about how it takes time, but there is no timetable. Interesting stuff there from the Dolphins cornerback. Before we get out of here on this Thursday preview edition, real quick, want to check in on the Jets and Broncos tonight on Thursday Night Football. That's one of your AFC East games over the weekend. Then we have a couple of 425 kickoffs in the other parts of the division, Chiefs and Patriots. What a clash that's going to be in the AFC East, pitting against the former Super Bowl champions of last season and Patrick Mahomes there for the Patriots. And then the Buffalo Bills versus the Las Vegas Raiders in that game, the 3-0 Bills up against the 2-1 Raiders. Good matchups all the way around the division this weekend we'll be excited to get those things covered for you guys on drive time next week tomorrow we have the flashback podcast don't forget to check that out as for this podcast for my time that's going to be my time you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on apple podcast leave us a rating leave us a review go ahead and give me a follow on twitter at wingfield nfl follow the team at miami dolphins check out the fish tank and the audible podcast and of course miamidolphins.com we have the game preview the jerome baker feature and top news all up on the website today for you guys. Until next time, fins up.